everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Back Builders Podcast. I'm your host, Forrest Munden. For those of you guys who are new here, some quick links to reference are my Patreon, where you could sign up for as little as $1 a month for exclusive podcast episodes. Just Google search Forrest Munden and Patreon, it'll pop right up. Secondly, I have my Instagram, which is Munden, M-U-N-D-E-N underscore Forrest with two R's. Also, you can follow me there. My podcast is available on all platforms, iTunes, Audible, Google, everything. Check it out. Glad to have you here. One. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Backbuilders podcast. I guess you can consider this episode 99, depending on what platform you're actually listening to it on. I think iTunes, this is episode 99. God, I should have done this for the for the 100th episode. That would have been a special one, but we could do it for the next one. So we have an interesting uh, dynamic to this episode today. It's going to be kind of funny if you guys are listening to this because then you also know that you're in the uh, live stream. But I've never done this before, but right in front of me, I have 33 live viewers, which isn't bad considering I just had this idea after I drank half a cup of black coffee and that's when the best ideas come out of me. And I was like, hey, why don't we do a freaking live stream where I answer your guys' questions for anywhere between like, I don't know, 30 to 45 minutes. What's up, Wojak? Uh, 35 to 45 minutes, depending on how it goes. And I would do a live stream with you guys. What's up, Atlantean? Um, but I don't actually know. It's not my birthday, but thank you. I don't actually know how to get the technology to where I can record your guys' voice from my phone and put it in Premiere Pro. So if any of you guys, any of you nerds understand that technology, then great. Shoot it my way. Okay, episode 99, live Q&A session. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and start hitting these questions here. I got one by Seth, which asked, is P stored in the balls? I That's a stupid question because the answer is obviously yes. So let's try to uh, let's try to ask some better questions here. All right. So uh, Joel Cooper said, if you could recommend any book to me slash anyone, what would it be? Could be religious, f- uh, philosophy, history, etc. I, I don't know if you asked this because I literally have like one of my most favorite books right behind me, but I have, Hey, what's up, Epperson? Uh, I, there's so many books, man. There's so many books. I would say the most influential book, like the book that changed my life was probably Iron John by Robert Bly. It's the one that I have directly behind me. I, I read it at like a really low point in my life. I was super lost and disorientated. I just had gotten I think I, I think I want to say I just moved back from Sweden and I was living with my parents at the time looking for a new place in a very small town that didn't have a lot of rentals. So I felt, I was just defeated in that in that state. And I stumbled across a book called Iron John. You guys can see it behind me if you're on the live stream. And it's basically a mythical. Yes, you guys are asking questions on here, by the way. So it's a mythological interpretation of an ancient Germanic myth called Iron John or Iron Hands. And basically what he does is he breaks down this myth into and, and symbols and he breaks it down to like a more digestible and more palatable, um, I want to say like interpretation of a man's life and the way a man's psychology develops over time. If you guys want, I can read you like a little uh, snippet. I actually have a bookmark here because I was writing about it. But yeah, let me um, let me read this to you real quick because I think a lot of I think this is essential for every man to be honest. Like I've read this book probably like three or four times. Um, but let me read this to you real quick and then we'll move on to the next question. To live the life of ashes is very different from dropping in a catabasis. It doesn't require a fall in social status. It's not so explosive. There's something about ashes that is steady, even lethargic. Young men in Viking times, according to the Norwegian scholar R. Kaiser, were allowed sometimes two or three years of ashes. Norwegians at the time lived in long communal houses, not unlike the long houses of the West Coast Indians. In his book on the Old Norsemen, Kaiser described how 30 or 40 people slept in beds along the walls. Down the center of the hall, they laid out pavement, which acted as a fireplace. Smoke went up through the holes in the roof. Ashes lay in long heaps, two or three feet from the pavement between it and the beds. 
It turned out that young men sometimes would lie down in that space between the fire and ash pile and stay there for two or three years. Such as these might consistently be seen crouching over the fire, rolling themselves in ashes, eating ashes, and neither caring to employ themselves in anything useful, nor to keep themselves in a state of cleanliness. Apparently, some also chewed cinders. They were called cinder biters. It's clear that the young men were going through some type of hibernation or ritual lethargy, and the older men and women allowed it. If a young man now feels the need to drop out of school, there is no ritual for that, and he may easily end up shamed or worse in prison. Kaiser mentions a cinderbiter in the 11th century named Stockard, who remained in the ashes for several years until his foster father invited him to go on an expedition. At that point, he stood up, shaved, and dressed, and became one of the best warriors on the expedition, and later became a distinguished poet as well, remembered in the sagas. So that's just like a quick little snippet from Iron John, where he just, he gives you really quick, potent, short. I remember reading this book and being completely in a state of like cognitive ecstasy, where I learned so much in such a short amount of time, as it and it resonated me, and I resonated with me and I really believe this book calls to you at a certain point in your life and uh, some people really like this book some people don't like it but I mean even that expert excerpt right there it's like about ashes we all go through periods of ashes in our life we go through like periods of of descent or what he calls like the down and out or the catabasis where it's like you're at the fucking lowest man you're at the absolute bottom you're at the abyss like you see no way out at all you're just depressed you you just got divorced you just got broken up with you're you're seriously injured but what he's saying is that there is times within your life where you are at the very bottom And there are like nuggets of wisdom and knowledge that you can grab from the abyss. That's why Joseph Campbell in his book, I think it's The Power of Myth, he says where the treasure lies or at the bottom of the the abyss is where the treasure lies. That is essentially where your greatest gift is going to be. And then uh, so it's like there's a reason why the dragon sits on top of the treasure. There's a reason why in every mythological motif, there's always a hero that has to defeat the ogre or the dragon or you know the giant in order to receive some type of like treasure or boon this is very mythological in nature this is very joseph campbell-esque robert bly hero's journey type of stuff but the point is it's a very good book iron john and you should check it out i'm actually uh excited because i've been diving deep into mythology once again i'm looking at all my mythology books here and there the the weird thing about joseph campbell's works more specifically rather than iron john is that iron or joseph campbell talks about the hero's journey and basically every man's life is cyclic in nature you you have these periods of your life where you're very very comfortable what she calls the world of the known or what like jung calls the conscious realm and there are periods of your life where you receive some type of quest where you are forced to leave your realm of comfort go into the realm of the unconscious or you know i don't know the realm of uh, what you don't know and you're supposed to like gain knowledge and wisdom experience and of course you're gonna get your fucking ass kicked so you're gonna dive into the abyss and that's a whole nother thing but check out joseph campbell's and uh iron john's works okay so brian the fighter just asked another question we'll move on what workout routine do you do for this massive jaw? Well, jujitsu, I think getting your ass kicked almost every single day of the week actually helps. But uh, I would say mastic gum is probably your best bet. So for those of you guys who are on the podcast right now, for those of you guys who are on the live stream, let me let me, let me me summarize this for you. So you got mastic gum, which is a tree sap. It's like a resin that comes from the, uh, I think it's just the mastic tree in, in Greece. And you're able to chew this gum and it essentially has the same like, what's the word, like resiliency or chewability as like a hard, tough meat. And you chew this sap for long periods of time. I mean, 10 to 15 minutes. You don't want to damage your jaw and you switch it. You do five minutes on this side, five minutes on that side. You do five minutes in the center and it's it's expensive, but I think it's worth it because you can reuse the gum over and over again. So there's mastic gum. uh, The Golden One just released a new uh, jaw neck training regimen. 
which involves tying a cattle kettlebell with cloth and then doing a certain exercise with that. You can check that out. That's another great way. There's tons of ways. Um, but also there's other techniques, which a lot of people don't know about. People get really caught up on mastic gum. And yes, mastic gum is very, very effective, but you have to remember it's like just because you're chewing mastic gum doesn't mean you're going to get proper oral posture. Okay. What's proper oral posture? Proper oral posture is something called mewing. Okay. What's mewing? See how this just, it never ends. Um, proper oral posture is the way the face is designed by nature for natural reasons. All right. If I were to be like this, you guys on the podcast, you have no idea what I'm doing. This is not proper oral posture. See how the jaw is back. That's not proper oral posture. What is proper oral posture? See these teeth right here, bottom row of teeth and upper teeth. You want to have them together, slightly touching at all times. So if your, um, if your lower jaw is slightly behind the front of your teeth, that's fine. But I would get used to proper oral posture, which is having it directly under. So do that right now. Just feel it. It feels weird, right? But look at the definition of your jaw. So if I'm like this, okay, am I like, I'm, my jaw is way back. I kind of got a receding jaw, proper oral. Okay, great. You can see that right now. Now, if I were to draw a line down the top of my head, it should go over my lips and right at my chin. It, like I said, if you guys are in the podcast, this is very, very confusing right now, but just bear with me. Imagine. Okay. I'll try to describe it. Okay. So now I have proper oral posture. I have my bottom teeth directly under my front, slightly touching, not grinding. Now there's something called the mewing technique, which is essentially like, I want to create a vacuum within my mouth where the tongue kind of like sucks to the roof of your mouth. This brings your lower jaw up and it kind of tightens up everything down here. Okay. So here's proper oral. Okay. Now here's mewing. You want to really like it. it it's, it's very difficult to explain to the viewer, but just keep this in mind. Okay. So you got mewing proper oral posture. Let me recommend you guys a book here. You have the book jaws. You could buy it on audible. It's like six hours long. It's not too long. I have it right here. And he talks about all this stuff and it also, so you got mewing proper oral posture. You got mastic gum, which they never talk about in the book, which I found very, very interesting. Um, Another really, really great way to increase your jaw definition and depth and mass is to chew for longer periods of time and chew tougher foods, chew meats. Okay. So, but really you want to chew more times than you're probably chewing now, which if I were to sit down and watch you guys chew for whatever reason, if I'm not disgusted by you chewing with your mouth open, which 50% of the American population does apparently, um, I would say that you're chewing probably 75% less than you should. You should be chewing on average about 25 to 50 times, depending on the food before you swallow. So increase chewing repetition. I know you're not going to be able to like fucking chew oatmeal and stuff like that, but when it comes to meat, you really want to chew it. Not only does it help your your jaw but uh it helps uh digestion also okay last thing before i move on to the question next question because we're already 15 minutes in is uh lose body fat yeah literally lose body fat if you're like upwards of 17 18 19 percent body fat you're not really going to get this definition if you're fat okay uh yeah i'm just being honest with you um another thing that helps last thing is your testosterone levels the lower your testosterone levels are, the the plumpier, if that's even a word, the the more rosy, the more juicy. I don't I don't know if I want to put it that way. Uh, puffy. The more puffy your cheeks are, the rosy red cheeks um, comes from low testosterone levels. So in summary, mastic, increased chewing repetitions, proper oral posture, um, mewing. I don't know if I said that, and then uh, lose body fat. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Okay. I already answered this one. Let me answer this one real quick because it's easy. Uh, Ryan Repetto, who is a, a long patron of mine. He's been on my Patreon for as long as I can remember. I've met him in person um, at a nature retreat with Chad Keel. Great guy. Uh, do you believe jujitsu has made you a better person? I would say 100% yes. And I don't want to spoil too much for you guys, but I'm writing a short story right now called Ashes to Matches. And it's basically about my story from like pre-jiu-jitsu to jiu-jitsu to competition and to taking home golds. Um, but yeah, in summary, it's it's definitely made me a better person. Like I, I'm shocked 
that it took me this long in life to get into jujitsu. I wish I would have done it sooner, but hindsight 2020, I'm glad I got into it at all. So, uh, I would say, I would say yes. And, uh, uh, Nickoff said, have I ever thought of any types of other grappling? Yeah, I would love to do judo and sambo. Uh, I know sambo is like kind of the Russian version of jujitsu. Um, okay. Let's answer this one real quick. I'm, I'm enjoying this. This is flowing really well so far. All right. And we still have 32 live viewers in the, uh, the live episode. So, um, all right. How much water do you drink in a day? I would say I drink, and I know this because I've been monitoring how much water I've been drinking lately. And I drink a little under a gallon per day. So obviously it depends on how hard I'm training. It depends on what I'm doing per day, but it never really goes over a gallon. And I know this because um, back when I used to go up to the mountain and get spring water with the one gallon jugs, I recently upgraded to a five gallon. That's why I'm not going up as often. Um, I would drink that entire gallon. So I'll get two gallons at a time. I would drink that entire gallon in almost an entire day. Yeah, of just like, and that's not me. You know how some people are like, oh, I got to drink a gallon of water a day. I'm just trying as hard as I possibly can to drink that gallon. No, it's like, I need to drink a gallon of water a day or I will die. That's how I feel. And then if I don't drink that much water per day, um, I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm just fucking like com completely parched. And it's like I've been in the Sahara Desert for the last five hours. But you got to remember my training regimen is in pretty insane. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I, I'm not training today because I got a tournament on Sunday. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm training jiu-jitsu for two hours each and every single one of those days with 30 minutes of hard sparring. Sometimes each spar session being, if Adam's still in here, I will literally spar against Adam for 20 minutes. It's actually insane, like nonstop. Um, and then Tuesdays, Thursdays, and then Saturdays, I'm weightlifting in the gym. So it, that's why I'm drinking so much water. And plus my body weight, I'm 190. I mean, I was 194. I think I'm down to 187 now. Um, but uh, it depends on your body weight and stuff like that. But uh, the most important influential book I read was Iron John. Somebody just answered that question. Okay, moving on to the next question. Gi or no gi? Monkey just asked if I like gi or no gi. I I'm starting to move more towards gi. So for those of you guys who don't know what he's talking about, Gi is that big outfit that jiu-jitsu practitioners wear with the belt. And no gi is you're not wearing that. You're just wearing a fucking rash guard or t-shirt and uh, shorts. I'm actually preferring no gi because I have chimp strength and that is more beneficial to me in, in no gi. Okay, moving on. Okay, this is actually a really good one. Um, this is going to get me banned from Instagram again. So let's, let's do it. All right, Crimson107 says... What do you do if you're a teen and your parents are trying to uh, make you take the vaccine? That's all they're doing. That's all they're doing, Crimson, is they're trying to get you to take the vaccine. But it's so funny because I have a lot of these um, really young people, I'm talking like 15, 16, 17, who are in a very bad position right now when it comes to the vaccine, getting peer pressured by their fucking parents. I was going to say something else, but they're getting peer pressured. I can't even say peer pressure. They're getting pressured by their parents to get the vaccine. Let me tell you what you do. You don't get it. You don't get the vaccine. Nobody is going to hold you down. At least not yet. Um, nobody's going to hold you. I don't even want to say. I'll just say no. The, uh, I can't even say vax. See, this is crazy how I have to worry about this type of censorship. I'm a, If I'm live on Instagram, not on my podcast, not on my Patreon. I could say whatever the hell I want on my Patreon. And you guys know I do. Um, but here it's like, I'm saying vax and I feel like I'm going to get spotted for it. Just magically ended in my feed, but I'll end it with saying this. You don't get it, dude. Don't get it. And don't be a dick about it. Right? Like, yeah, like, like she just said, you're your own human stand your ground <laughs> yeah, or juice. We'll, we'll say that you don't get the juice. Well, that could be mean steroids too. Um, don't get it. Okay. But don't be a dick about it. Don't like start arguments and fights with your parents. Give them a as logically as you can, good reasons as to why you don't want to get the vaccine and then just try to greet them with that if you can. But the thing is, if your parents are forcing you to get the vaccine, they're probably not going to listen to a little something called, <laughs> call it vagina. They're probably not going to listen to a little something called logic and reason. 
Um, so that's going to be difficult. But at the end of the day, your parents are going to have a lot more respect for you if you politely refuse. I, Dude, I, sorry. Sorry. I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. That sucks. But uh, just don't get it. All right. Am I uh, so Brandon Wenzel? I believe is a patron. I believe you're a patron of mine. I'm not sure. Uh, are you getting out of the army? I will not answer this publicly because I've already done a Patreon exclusive episode about this. And the reason why I am not saying it out loud is because I don't like to show my cards, but I will to my patrons because um, I'm not posting it on public. I've already gotten in trouble for my social media presence once. I'm not doing it again. So yeah, join my Patreon if you want to hear that. Um, okay, this is actually a really good question too. And guys, for those of you guys who are just popping in, use the question box um, in order to answer or get me to answer your questions because I'm not seeing what you're putting in the feed. Uh, Julian, who's also a blue belt himself and apparently taking home a lot of golds, also a patron of mine, um, said, will you open your academy after getting your black belt? So... All right, it takes about two to two and a half years for every belt level you get. I'm about, if I'm on track, probably a year and a half away from my purple belt, at most two years. So the point is I'm still about another eight years. I also wanna say like seven to eight years away from getting my black belt. Yes, I will open my own academy once I get black belt. I'll probably be around almost 40 by then. I'm 27 now, if it, let's say, now let's say like 35 to 36. I would love to open my own academy. I think that would be an honor. And uh, I love to teach. I, 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 I love to be in that position where I can bring a bunch of people and communities together. So I, I don't see why not. All right. Let's see. What else do we got here? I appreciate it, Brent. All right. Let's see what other questions we got here. I was just going through the feed real quick. Are you guys enjoying this like live podcast so far? I've always wanted to do this. I don't know why I've never done it. Um, okay, more COVID questions, which I will not be answering. What are your thoughts on GMOs? I completely stay organic. I, I totally avoid GMOs if I can. Um, here's a good question. Uh, were you ever a Christian? No. I was never a Christian. However, I've always been interested in Christianity. Um, I went through periods of my life where I was experimenting with different types of Abrahamic religions. And um, I experimented with the Christian church, Mormonism. And uh, to be honest, I really respected it. All right. I have to preface this by saying that I have the utmost respect for my Christian brothers. You guys know what I always say. I say two brothers under one son, meaning pagans and Christians. I believe that we have the same goal at the end of the day. We just don't know it. Uh, I I don't think Christianity is for me. Uh, to me, it just never felt right. Um, being in church just had a strange feeling to me. I think that nature was always my church, even though I guess nature, depending on what type of Christian you are, can be synonymous with God. That's how I always viewed it. Um, but Christianity just seemed a little bit too rigid for me, but that's not to say that I wouldn't have appreciated more if I went to the right church. I went to two Christian churches and both of them felt very monetized and very plastic, but I know that there's a lot of good Christian churches out there and a lot of good Catholic churches out there and Mormon, but in California, not really my thing. So to answer your question, no, I was never officially Christian, though I always, uh, I always respected the religion and the community that it brought together. <laughs> Look at all the viewers. They're like, ah, I'm offended. Bye. All right. Um, let's see. Do you currently have any plans in the future to train any striking martial art? Uh, yes, I would love to do boxing and Muay Thai. All right. What else we got moving on through these questions and, uh, keep answer, keep putting questions in the box guys. Cause this episode ends when the questions stop or when I can't talk anymore because my mouth gets too dry. Uh, what advice do you have to give to a new BJJ practitioner? Um, what is your opinion on Lieutenant Colonel Scheller being d dismissed over his video? I haven't seen that, but uh, I can already imagine what it's about. Uh, what advice would I give to a new BJJ practitioner? 
I would say enter the gym with a strong sense of humility because you're going to get your ass kicked for at least the first two years, if not more. Um, drink lots of water, stretch, ice your back. Ice will be your best friend. Get lots of ice packs. Um, but yeah, really enter the gym with a strong sense of humility because you come off as cocky, arrogant, your gym, they're not going to like you and they're not going to have fun with you. You have to understand that you're a white belt, which means you're spazzy, which means you don't know what you're doing, which means that you could injure your training partners way easier. And you just need to be really, really careful about that. Don't do any needless squeezes or pulls or tugs. I've had white belts literally fucking take my toes and spread them apart. So, uh, yeah, don't do any of that shit. Just be slow, calm, control your breathing. That's all you got to uh, say. So M. Beasley said new to BJJ, so forgive me. Does every move slash sequence have a name? And is there a resource I can study besides social media, YouTube, uh, going to class and observing? Besides that, that sounds like, like every way of learning. Um, I can study besides social media, YouTube, going to class and observe. I don't know because those are all your absolute best ways to study. Um, yeah, I, I would say that your best way is literally just going into class and um, actually doing the moves in and of yourself. Or you get a training dummy and you can find moves on the internet and then practice them on a training dummy. But uh, yeah, I've always learned the best when I'm in an environment where I can actually learn the learn the sequence. And no, and uh, I mean, there's millions of jiu-jitsu sequences um, and I've been shocked at how many of them have actually been named. But um, yeah, maybe invest in like a training dummy or like a training partner where you could, uh, where you could drill. Um, where do I want to settle? I'm actually looking at settling preferably in Northern Idaho. So for, the, for those of you guys who don't know, which I'm sure all of you guys do, if not most, I'm looking at settling in um, Northern Idaho is preferable right now. Or maybe I will even go up to, I would love to look at Montana or Virginia or the Carolinas. Really like my goal at the end of the day is just to have property and to have land and to have space. I want... Um, I want my gun freedoms back, which you don't really have in California. And I want a place where I can grow crops and um, have a certain amount of, of seclusion while still being able to like have the essentials like the grocery store, um, even though I will be hunting for my own food and growing my own food. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say Northern Idaho is like most preferable to me right now. Okay, let's see. I wish you would tell me what questions I've already answered. Okay, I already answered that. Are these new? I'm confused. Um, so Max is mandatory. You mandatory? You staying in? Yeah, like I said, that is a Patreon exclusive answer because I'm not showing my cards right now. I, I I've been. I've been emotionally reactive to things I shouldn't have been emotionally reactive to in the past. And what I don't want to do is start raining hell on top of like Jag or my unit until I actually know what's going on, which, you know, it's here's what a lot of people are saying right now. Let me just say this. A lot of people are, are in the military right now who don't know anything about the process of what it would take to get a service member out on the stance of Vax. There are like 800 thousand members of the DOD, the military right now, every branch who refuse to get the vaccination. 800,000. They are not going to chapter. They're not going to UCMJ or whatever. 800,000 service members. Let me tell you what will happen though. And this should be more concerning for you. What they will do if this continues, if people don't stand up, what they will do is you'll be flagged in your medical system. Your medical system, at least for the army, is called MedPros. Now, what's going to happen is that when you refuse to get this V, you will be flagged and you will not be able to re-enlist because you will be flagged red. You will not be able to go to schools. You will be exactly the same type of person as like a critical PT failure. Thus, you will not be able to re-enlist. Then over the next three to four years, everybody who had a three to four year contract who refused to get the V will be slowly pushed out of the military. That's what's going to happen. They're not going to do a massive 800,000. They, they, they won't even do us. You know how hard it is to kick a fucking private out of the army these days? It's like impossible. That's why you have so many shitbags in the army right now. You think they're going to do that times a million? No, they're not going to. What they're going to do, they're going to flag you red in the system. It's going to be like failing a PT test or like murdering somebody. Or No, I can't even say that because that's quick. Yeah, it's going to be a slow dry up. It's not going to be fast. So you have two options. 
If your contract ends soon, yeah, sure, you can get out, claim VA, whatever you want to do, or you can stay in the military and you could fight it and um, see how long you can make it. All right, you can see how long you can make it. Maybe you'll get away with reenlisting, maybe not. Maybe your religious resemption, exemption packet will get accepted, which is unlikely because there's literally hundreds of thousands of those being filed right now, and I highly doubt those are all getting accepted. So yeah, good luck. Okay. Um, all right. How has everything been going with your firearms training? Um, not so good because ammo is through the roof right now. So I've been just stashing and collecting. Not really tr training. Plans for a family. This is a great question. You guys remember this moment. Um, yes, I have plans for a family. I want 10 sons, 10 jumbo Germanic sons. That's what I want. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I do have plans for family and I do have plans for moving my eventual family, if not in the near future, um, to land. And I think it's, it's funny guys, because it's like, I remember being at a point in time in my life where I, I don't want to say I was strongly against having children. I just like didn't like the idea of sacrificing what I currently had my freedom for children. But I, I think that there's really, I'm not going to talk too much about this cause it's kind of obvious. Actually, I can't even say it's obvious, but I think that there's nothing in life better than being a good man. And there's nothing better in life than being a good father. And I don't think there's any better gift to not only yourself, but also the future by taking a human from scratch and raising him to be a good, uh, healthy, well-integrated man. And like, if you're doing your job, not only from a biological perspective, but from a sociological perspective, and you're raising a good contributing member of society, fuck man, you've done your job. Like what the hell? That's such an honorable task. I don't think fathers get enough recognition in today's society because I don't know. I could go into I could go into on a whole other ta tangent on that, but basically, um, I don't know. I think being a dad is awesome. I think being a dad is cool. I remember thinking that. I remember looking at my friends who had children at children at really young ages, which I don't think is necessarily the best idea. I think that as a man, you should probably wait until you're more financially stable. You have a good reputation. You have a little bit of power. You know your path. Um, so probably you're better off as a man having a kid in mid to late twenties while you're still young, but yet, you know, you're making a, you're, you're making a dent in the universe. Um, but I don't even remember where I was going with that, but that's an important, that's, that's important. Um, Mike Glover, I don't know who Mike Glover is. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I think being a dad is, is cool. And, uh, I don't know. That's, that's about it. So yeah, I, I do plan on having a family family. I want 10 sons. Okay, let's see what else we got here. Okay, this is actually a pretty good question. So Joel Cooper said, I'm new, but being that you aren't Christian, I'm also not. Which gods do you primarily follow, Norse or Greek? Uh, Norse, Greek, I'm, I'm assuming you meant Norse, Greek, etc. So by definition, you can call me a Germanic pagan or a Norse pagan. Basically what that means, ironically, I have Urus in my hand right now that I was just playing with. Basically, what that means is that I didn't really resonate with Christianity. I didn't really resonate with Catholicism. But what I did understand is that mythology, aka religion, has a deep resonance with whatever your bloodline has been studying and worshiping for the longest period of time. Thus, me being German, Germanic paganism, the ancient gods like Freya, Tyr, and Odin appeared appealed most to me because the symbols in which those gods have been created from are within my subconscious. Okay, people say symbols aren't important, gods don't resonate with the psyche. Well, okay, why when like the baby uh, rabbit, why when the baby rabbit is born, why when he sees the shadow of a hawk, 
or of a predatory old bird, even if that shadow isn't the shadow of an actual bird, he still instinctively, even from only a week or two after he is born, still has an inherent fear in them. Why does he have genetic and ancestral memory? If you can have genetic and ancestral memory that stems from fear, you can also have ancestral and genetic memory that stems from long periods of worship. So that means that if my ancestors for the last 30,000 years who were pagans in nature, pagan is various, and they stared at the Uru's rune for the last 30,000 years. And every time they looked at this rune, every generation of my family looked at this rune and they felt hope and strength and they felt power and that symbol was imprinted within their mind that power that resonance will therefore be projected onto my psyche thousands and thousands of years later this is why you who are not afraid of snakes will find yourself still uh reacting like a little girl when a snake crawls across your foot because that's genetic and ancestral memory that stems from fear stands from worship you know if we're talking about runes or religion um so i followed the religion that was in my blood i followed the religion that had symbols that were within my psyche for the last multiple thousand years um christianity is a relatively new religion going back about ten thousand years little for give or take about ten thousand um but christianity is not as old or as um it's newer than Norse pagan. I wanted to go deeper than Christianity, and I think Norse pagan is a really good start. So you have this this weird tie that I've noticed within the community. They call themselves Christo pagans, where they tie themselves in between the world of Christianity and paganism. I'm not really sure the mental gymnastics that one would have to perform in order to be a Christo pagan, but that was of no interest to me at all. Um, I'd rather just dive deeply into paganism. Um, but I have had deep symbological dreams. Go back to my podcast, listen to an episode episode called The Gods, literally changed my life. It was a uh, Germanic pagan dream with very deep symbols, including in, including runology and symbolism through Yidrasil, the tree of life and ancestral worship. Which brings me another point. A lot of people, very controversial opinion with that, within the pagan community. Um, but a lot of people say, okay, if I am Mexican or if I am black or if I am Chinese, can I be a Norse pagan? Okay, well, first, let's let's actually say what Norse pagan actually is. It's, it's Norsemen or Germanic paganism. So it's like you're generally a Northern European. So it's like you can practice Norse paganism as like a black man or a Mexican and nobody's going to stop you. Nobody's going to stop you. You'll still be invited to like 99% of the the pagan gatherings that are going on and nobody's going to say anything and you're going to be completely fine. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that pagan religion is most powerful when you understand that it strongly includes ancestral worship. So me as a Northern European male stemming mostly for, from Germania or, or, or the Germ Germanic regions, if I were to go to Africa or if I were to go to like China and I would were to say, I, I want to study your religion and I want to praise your gods and stuff like that, they would laugh me out the door probably to be honest. Um, so it's like follow the religion that is in your blood, follow the religion that's in your psyche and that's not to say that other religions aren't going to bring value to you. Like I find deep value in other Eastern religions. I find deep value in like multiple Western religions, um, but just find what resonates with you. So to answer your question, which gods do you primarily follow? Uh, I'm mostly I am an Odin and a Tyr follower. Um, not really too much Thor, but I, I found deep, deep meaning in, in Odin's symbology and uh, his meanings. Um, so yeah, Greek mythology too. It's like... You don't have to be from Greece in order to understand and resonate with Greek mythology. Okay. Um, here, here's an interesting question. No, I've never been to Austria, by the way. When you come to Europe eventually, have you thought about doing a gathering like Washington? Um, yes, I have. But the thing is, I'm only going to be back in Europe for about 10 days and I'm only going to be in Copenhagen. And then I'm taking a train back to Sweden where I used to live and visiting my old hometown. Um, so I'm not gonna have enough time for a gathering, but maybe in the future, I would love to do that because, uh, Europeans, Northern Europeans, uh, the Danes and, uh, the Swedes and even the Germans are very serious about Norse paganism and, I, and, uh, you know, I like that.
Okay. Um. Response couldn't be shared. Okay, I don't know what happened. I don't know why it's not letting me share that question, but I'm assuming you deleted it or I'm glitching out. Okay. It looks like you deleted it. That's fine. Um, let me know when you're in Copenhagen. I'll get a pass. Nice. Okay, I'll be in Copenhagen like September 1st. I'm just staying at like Airbnbs and hostels and stuff like that. What do you think about Celtic paganism? I think it's a very powerful, potent religion. And I think that Celtic religion, especially Druidism, is uh, something that you uh, uh, that you can resonate deeply with. I really like the Druids. I really like... I actually have a book somewhere around here somewhere about the Celtic paganism. It's called Stonehenge. It's super old. It's from like the 60s. Um, okay, so do you think that plant slash nature has a collective psyche, almost like a collective consciousness? They do, but it's not similar to ours. It's more, it's like a computer. It's not really a consciousness, but you could say in and of itself that it is its own type of consciousness because at the end of the day, no matter what people tell you, they don't know what consciousness actually is. So the way that plants communicate, they do have a collective psyche and that is through pheromones that are released when they're getting attacked, when they're getting gnawed on. I, I, I read this book called The Mysterious Life of Trees or something like that where the author talks about how in this in the desert or in, in the or trees just in general but more specifically in Africa where the trees will start getting gnawed on by giraffes and what happens is that the the trees release a pheromone to warn the other trees that they're being attacked and they'll actually release a poison a toxin a taste within their leaves and within their branches that make it unedible so that's a really good form of plant collective consciousness but then also you know you have the 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 trees or the leaves and you have the branches and you have the pheromones that communicate with each other amazingly enough but really where your money is made in understanding plant consciousness is in the mycelian network because the the roots have actually been scientifically proven to send out send out small electrical pulses within the roots that will pulse a certain frequency kind of like morse code and it will connect to other roots and it'll tell the roots, hey, I'm, I'm growing this way. I'm going to go under you and you go over me type of thing. Or I'm going to go to your left or to your right. Or, or hey, um, you're kind of like growing in my area. Can you just grow around? They, they communicate through electrical pulses and, and pheromones and stuff like that. But they need the mycelian network, which is fungus and fungi. It's like basically like the, how do I explain this? Like the base of mushrooms and stuff like that. It's what mushrooms sprout off. I don't know how to explain this. Um, but they use the mycelian network to help them communicate with one another. You know that when we replant trees, you know that when we like rip out entire forests and then we replant trees and we're like, yay, we're doing a, such a great job. What you're essentially seeing is this network of trees that has been killed. And you see like these, it, it'd be like replacing actual humans with like robots that just stand there like, I am human. Because these new robot, these new trees that have been replanted, they can't communicate with each other because the mycelian network and the root structure that they were once connected to has been ripped up and torn apart long ago by humans. That's why when you go to a forest that has been replanted, it's 10 times more dead. It, no, it's completely dead compared to like a natural forest. That's why you don't want to disturb natural forests. That's why this whole like save a tree thing if you use my debit card type of thing is a total and complete scam. First of all, they take like 99% of your profits. And second of all, the trees that they aren't planting they are planting have been ripped up and um yeah they're they're destroyed um sitting here drinking coors hearing about the mycelian network yeah welcome to the back builders podcast also i just got a patreon notification i'm not sure what that is but that might be a new patreon uh i always have my notifications on which i don't know what it is i don't think it's a new patron i don't know how do I turn on a notification? Yeah, if you guys like this content, like ask yourself this. If you're sitting here enjoying this live stream or if you're sitting here enjoying my podcast. Uh, oh, nice. It was a new patron. Thanks, Brennan. Appreciate it, man. So if you're sitting here like enjoying my podcast and you're finding things interesting, think about this. I have 100 plus hours, 134 episodes on my patreon talking about everything guys you can sign up for a dollar a month people are like why are you posting your patreon so much because i spend an ungodly amount of time in there 
you ass. You can at least check it out. No, but seriously, it's it's a it's a dollar. It's a dollar, and it takes three minutes to sign up, and the link is literally in my bio. But Brendan, appreciate it. Um, he said, "Holy shit, that was a surprisingly interesting answer." Yeah, I surprise myself sometimes. Sometimes I forget how much knowledge I have about really dumb shit. Um, okay, do you think? Oops, I didn't mean to delete that. Nice, we're already coming up on forty-six minutes, guys. Hell yeah, this is awesome. I can only go to an hour, but uh, forty-six minutes is perfect. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, this is actually a really good question. So I am reading Levels of Energy by Frederick Dodson. Okay, so Frederick Dodson, what he's talking about right here? Who is this? This is Tony Hit. Oh, I thought this said Tony Hickhawk. Oh, pff, Hitchhawk. God damn it! I'm. I said I thought I said Tony Hickcock 007, but it's Hitchhawk. All right, so reading Levels of Energy by Frederick Dodson. He wants me to do an episode on it. I kind of already have, but not completely. But maybe I can do my own episode of it. So what Frederick Dodson's theory is, and he's not wrong, is that he says that consciousness, not just consciousness, but the world can be measured in energy. Um, Meaning like cup of coffee has an energy level of like 280. Um, and it can get me to a surprisingly high and manic level of consciousness that allows me to do really long episodes like this. And it's delicious and very good for you. Also, there's a book called Caffeine. You guys should read it. it talks about the benefits of coffee. There you go. There's another nugget of knowledge. Um, but basically, he talks about how you as a man or as a woman, you have different levels of consciousness that you start to develop through your level of life. So there's level zero which is like you're almost demonic in nature. You're like you're 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 possessed. You are a uh, you you have a demon within you. That le- zero levels of energy are those people who are like they're not there. And then you have like level 30 uh levels of energy who these are like the the schizophrenic homeless man addicted to drugs um and just sits there all day and he's like completely defeated. Then you have like the level 60s to 70 levels of energies. And these people are like the alcohol abusers, pretty much still homeless. And then you have like levels 100, which are like different types of criminals and uh, robbers and murderers. And you have like 160, which is like people who are filled with anger and rage. Um, And then it, it goes up and up. And as you go up in levels of energy, your consciousness increases and it changes your worldview. So once you get up to like levels 800, I think it is, you disintegrate and you're, you're atomized. Like you, you figured out everything that you needed to know from this life and all the answers that you were supposed to get, you did. And you're pulled out of this universe because you've essentially reached enlightenment. There's only been one or two beings in known human existence who have reached enlightenment and have actually, uh, supposedly atomized, but that could be just a a metaphorical representation for enlightenment. Um, but most likely, in this world, you're going to get probably to the energy levels of if you're good, hopefully above 300. This means you have a general understanding of wealth. You have a general appreciation for like life. You're a kind person and you're generous um, and you have a good physique and a good body. You take care of your body and mind. That's a that's around level 300. That's probably what most of us are going to die at. But for other people who are seeking higher levels of consciousness, um, you're, you're, you should be shooting for like the four to five hundreds, but I don't want to spoil too much of the book for you, but I like Frederick Dodson and I found a new book recently called, let me pull this up right now on my computer, but it's a feeling is the secret. All right. Let me tell you guys something before we end this episode in 10 minutes, you know, these books that are like 16 hours long and you're like, how, how in the love of God am I going to read this? I, cause I listen to mostly audible now. I fucking hate books that are that long. I don't do it. It's a waste of time. Why? Because they usually end up repeating themselves after like half the book. Yeah. Usually end up repeating themselves. I go for short books. It doesn't have to be cheap. I go for short books that have great reviews. Feeling is a secret by Neville Goddard. It's a 40 minute book. It's three and a half dollars. It's a great book. That'll give you a really good perspective on why feeling is important. And he goes into a bunch of different talk topics about sleep, about consciousness, about reincarnation. 
uh, religion. He's he's Christian, so he references the Bible a lot. So he wrote "Feeling Is a Secret," and then Neville Goddard, the complete reader, is that book, and then all of his other books, um, which I bought with a singular credit. It's fourteen and a half hours, but I decided to buy that one because it seemed like it was worth it. Um, but yeah, Levels of Energy is a great book. But all right, guys, we don't have much time left. We have fifty. We're at 51 minutes, so we have nine minutes left. Um, so I'm going to answer a uh, uh, maybe one or two more questions. What's that book called again? Oh, you'll love it. Um, well, there's Levels of Energy by Frederick. Just look up lev Levels of, uh, sorry, Levels of Energy by Frederick Dodson. Then you have another book, which is called Feeling is the Secret by Neville Goddard. Both great authors. Um, all right. Okay. So, all right. He said, uh, Z.E. Casey said, I feel like people are having a lot of mental health issues even before 2020 hit. Do you think so? And if you, sue, if you do, what do you think is driving society's deterioration, mental well-being? Holy shit, dude. That's a whole nother episode. Um, but I can give you a one minute summary. One, disconnection. We're more disconnected than ever, ironically, because we have the internet. Um, we're not communicating enough with each other. Um, mental health issues stem a lot from um, the environment. So like microplastics, estrogenics, your testosterone levels being obliterated, um, pulling apart the nuclear family. Uh, dude, I can go on and on and on. So like to ask me, what do I think we should do about it? That's a whole nother episode. Um, but you are not wrong when you say that we're having more he mental health issues than ever, especially in men. As testosterone levels in men start to decrease through different social propaganda mechanisms or environmental issues or whatever it is, as the testosterone levels go down, mental health issues in men go up. In other words, the less manly men get, the more they want to fucking put a bullet through their brain. This is why this is important. This is why what we do, this is why what we say it saves lives. And I'm not just saying that to like flaunt my grandiosity into like uh, flaunt that like what I'm doing is uh, important on a cosmic level. No, what I'm saying is like you show people the path to true strength and true resiliency and like true manhood and um, you will save lives. I can only imagine how many lives this will save like the solar sphere will save in the future. Okay. I just got a notification notification that I got to end this episode. I got one minute and 45 seconds left. So what I'm going to say is this guys, if you liked this episode, um, leave me a message on my Instagram, um, and, or Patreon or wherever you're coming from. Let me know if you want to do this again. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. We had good viewership throughout the entire thing. We're fluctuating between 26 and 40. That's perfect. Next time I'll announce it. I'll have it on a specific day. We'll get more people. Um, another thing guys join the Patreon. I have so much content on there. You will not even know where to start. Trust me. The biggest problem you're going to have with my Patreon isn't how much it costs a month, how to sign up. It's how the fuck do I catch up to 135 hours worth of content? It's like impossible. Good luck. Um, secondly, review, leave a review on my iTunes, um, uh, podcast. And, um, I just got a one-star review today for like literally no reason at all. So if you can counter, that'd be cool. But anyways, guys, have a fantastic Friday. I will see you for the next episode. See ya.